Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Mark 10, 32 through 45. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Mark in your Bible. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them. And their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. A sound of music. I don't know. You all have seen it. It's been around forever. I don't, we used to watch it like every Christmas. Uh, I don't, is it a Christmas movie? Not really, but I don't know that, and it's a wonderful life. Um, well, uh, Captain Von Trapp had a very specific idea and a vision for who his family was supposed to be. Uh, he had this, this understanding that his kids were to um, act a certain way. Now, Sam, have you got a whistle yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, right. Uh, and so he's, he's shaped them and he's practiced them into, you know, that little march down the stairs and the, the march forward and say your name and, and back again and train them to, to answer to their own little whistle. And so he's got a very, very specific idea about what it means to be a Von Trapp, right? You're going to act this way. And so he hires Maria, who's been been significant amount of trouble at a convent, right? She decides she doesn't want to be a nun anymore. And well, actually, did she, kick, did she get kicked out? No, she left of her own accord. Uh, so she's, she's there, and, and he's hoping, he's hoping that she will continue the training that they, he's already undertaken for these kids, that they would continue to grow into his vision of what it means to be a Von Trapp. Uh, I think... I think. Now, this is a little harsh example, right? Um, I don't think that Jesus 
with his specific vision of how we are to live in the world, what it means to be a part of the family of God, is necessarily up there blowing whistles so that we might respond to it, right? It's kind of not, not that kind of harsh. But I definitely think, and, and this is where we're going today, I definitely think that Jesus has for us a very distinct vision of what it means for us to be the children of God, for us to be the church, and, and what that looks like as we, uh, as we go out into the world and what that looks like as we interact with one another and, and how we might practice becoming those kinds of people. Well, we have been, uh, we have been on the road with Mark. Um, Mark reminds us at the beginning of this passage that, that Jesus and his disciples are, they are on the road traveling towards Jerusalem for the final time. Uh, for, for Mark, the road is not just uh, the path that Jesus must take towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, and, and ultimately towards resurrection. It is a metaphor for discipleship. It is a metaphor for the things, the journey that you and I must take, the journey that his disciples must take so that they can take up the mantle of leadership in the kingdom of God after Jesus is gone. And so they are on the road. And, and um, Mark tells us that uh, there's a whole bunch of other people with them that day. Not just the 12, but the whole crowd. And the, the attitude within the crowd is like amazement and wonder at the things that Jesus has done and the things that he's said. Well, they're, they're traveling and they're going along and um, there's a break in the, in the, the action. And, uh, and Jesus decides to take advantage of this, this little moment to remind them again, very specifically, what it is that's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. Uh, Jesus is, again, telling them what's going to happen. Now, the, the disciples, for their part, have had a little bit of a hard time understanding where Jesus is going. Uh, they've had a hard time understanding uh, that Jesus' death is going to end in, or his, his life is going to end in this crucifixion. They have their own ideas about what the kingdom of God looks like, about what, what Jesus is going to Jerusalem to do. Um, we say this all the time. Israel, at this point, is... Uh, it's really not their own. They're, they're governed by the Romans. And so their hope and expectation for a Messiah would be that someone would come in and save Israel from the Romans. Uh, that Jesus would set up his kingdom in Jerusalem uh, as, as an earthly king here and now. And that they would, they would participate with him in administrating the king, kingdom of God. Well, um, the disciples have been slow to get things, and they continue to be slow. And so the journey continues along, and um, I imagine them all kind of Jesus up at front. Maybe he's right up in front, and the, the disciples, the 12, are kind of like maybe right behind him, followed by like the larger group back here. And, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, James and John break away, and they come up to Jesus and like cozy up to him, and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now, as a parent, right, your kids ever come up to you and say, hey, can, can, 
I want you to do something. Can you say yes to this? I'm like, no, I'm not going to say yes to something I don't know what it is. Or, or it's like I had friends in college who would, um, who would constantly be like, uh, they wouldn't talk a whole lot, like we weren't super friends, but they would be like, so, so what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. And, and I knew, I, I learned very early on that if I said nothing to some of those people, that I would get roped into doing something I didn't want to do. And it usually involved moving furniture. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm very wary of that, uh, that, that particular question. Uh, and so I feel like Jesus, this is like the, the spirit in which these two offer this, this question, be like, hey, Jesus, we want you to do whatever it is we want to do for you. So we've been so faithful, and we're your favorite children and all of that. Um, and, but Jesus isn't afraid of an open-ended question, right? Uh, in fact, maybe he even understands, um, maybe he even knows already what they are going to do. So he responds, uh, well, he said, okay, whatever. And he says, grant us to sit on your right hand and on your left in your glory. Now, uh, the way this question is asked is important. They're not necessarily asking to sit beside Jesus um, at the next banquet they have, right? So they would have reclined at tables kind of in the day. And so to, to, to ask to sit beside someone, especially in their glory, has in mind this very specific vision of a throne. You've got Jesus on the middle throne, and you've got two smaller thrones on either side, to the right and to the left. And those smaller thrones are for Jesus' right and left-hand people. Uh, and so these two, they want, they want very desperately to be a part of what God is doing and what they think God is doing in the world. And so they think that since we are so special and, and you love us best, that we're going to, you know, we deserve you being, you putting us in your right and left. For you to, for us to be your favorite disciples in the kingdom. Well, um, Jesus responds, he says this. Uh, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the bapti- baptism that I am baptized with? Uh. Okay, we'll go back for a second. For some reason, I can't see the actual slides as they're coming up on my little thing. Technology is great when it works. Uh, and so he's asking, like, you, you, you don't know the significance of what you're asking because they're, they're kind of understanding of what Jesus is going to do is really small compared to what it is that Jesus is actually going to do, right? They just think that Jesus is coming to kick out the Romans and establish Israel again as, as a kingdom. And Jesus is coming uh, to bring a salvation of a much greater, a bigger level. Salvation not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for the entire world, for the restoration and redemption of all creation. And then he says, uh, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? He's like, okay, I've already, I've just told you what's going to happen to me. Like, I'm going to be beaten and whipped and suffered. I'm going to die. Are are you up for that? Uh, Both cup and baptism are, are significant already in kind of Jewish thought. And uh, so Jesus, in a, in, a, in a couple of chapters from now, will take the cup, uh, specifically the Passover cup, and redefine it as his sacrifice and his suffering for the sake of all creation. So are, are, are you able 
are you going to be able to sacrifice in the same way that I'm sacrificing? Uh, one, one commentator that I read said that uh, the way baptism is used here could be, um, uh, could be more translated like drowned in calamity. So Jesus is asking, like, can you drink this cup? Can, can, you, can you do what I do? Can you withstand the calamity that's going to come crashing over you as a result of faithfulness to the kingdom of God? Well, for once, they, um, they, they respond correctly. They said, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So, uh, Jesus is like, yes, I think you are going to be faithful. Yes, I think that you are going to live your life in the way that I am teaching you to, to do. You are going to be good citizens and followers in the kingdom of God. He said, but this is big. And you're not as important as Moses. Now, I don't know if that's what Jesus has in mind here, or, you know, like Elijah or, or Isaiah, or whoever. Um, but he's saying, yeah, yeah, this is, this is what's going to happen, but you're not going to be sitting on my right hand and my left hand. He goes on. And he begins to talk about how leadership in the world works. And he says, um, well, he, he ends up saying, like, Gentile leaders, they lord their power over each other. They, they take advantage. They're, they're, they're set up in gathering as much power and prestige and honor and money for themselves that they possibly can. That's the way the world works. We just have to look at like our political system to see that, right? Uh, maybe even your jobs, uh, where you've got political intrigue in there, people fighting to, to get to the top and, and not doing, uh, not caring what they do to get to where they want to go. And Jesus takes that understanding of, of what leadership is like in, in the, the world, and he, he says, I'm going to contrast this with leadership in the kingdom of God. But it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, those who lead in the kingdom of God do so or called to do so in a very, very different kind of way. They're called not uh, to amass power or even popularity or prestige. Uh, They are called to give away, uh, to empty themselves, to serve instead of being served. Uh, instead of getting to the front of the line, they are to go to the back of the line. Uh, the kingdom of God is upside down from the way that the world works. Uh, Jesus has a very specific vision of what it means to be a member of the kingdom of God. And it's different, and it's hard. Uh, in the same way that Captain Von Trapp had an understanding of, of what his family was to be and he was training them to be a specific way. So Jesus is leading us on a path 
that helps us to be like him in the way we lead in the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't just for like leaders, right? It's not just for, for pastors. Uh, this is for all of us. It's for, for, for board members and for people who play in the worship band and for everyone who sits in these chairs. I think sometimes we, we get confused because, because we, want, we want what the disciples wanted and we want to be at the right hand and the left hand of God's power in the world and we want to do that in our way, in the way that we've been taught through, well, all of our other levels of education. We want to be lords. We want to be important. Now, even if you don't have, like, grand political uh, schemings, right, it's really easy to feel this way in your own place of work or in school. Like, I... I'm going to not care what I do to other people. I'm going to take care of myself. Um, I hope this is the next one. I, I think this, this quote, um, I saw it on social media this week, and I think this, this uh, highlights, I think, the contrast that Jesus is making. Satan disguises submission to himself under the ruse of personal autonomy. He never asks us to become his servants, Never once did the serpent say to Eve, I want to be your master. The shift came in commitment. The shift in commitment is never from Christ to evil. It is always from Christ to self. And instead of his will, self-interest now rules in what want and what reigns. This is the essence of sin. The kingdom of the world is about fulfilling my own interests my own selfishness. The kingdom of God, what Jesus is marching towards Jerusalem where he will give himself up for, is not about selfish interest. It is about the giving of ourselves away for the sake of others. It's about service, but not just service for service's sake, right? Like uh, there's some veins of of our culture that, that values service, right? So I think the, the, the kids at school have to do some community service, um, especially if they're going to be part of, like, student government and things like that. Uh, and, and that's good, and that's good stuff. But I think, though, sometimes we get caught up in doing service for our own sake, uh, that we want to do good things so that people will, uh, well, yeah, well, they will look at us, or, or maybe even on a church level, we do, we do good things because we want people to know that we are, like, a good place, we serve folks. I don't think that's it. Because that selfishness, service can still be couched in selfishness. What Jesus is calling us to, the way that Jesus is calling us to walk upon, the road, is of selflessness, of sacrifice, of giving ourselves away for the sake of others. If we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we must be last. We must serve and not be served. Now, it's really easy uh, to say that. It's another thing to do it, right? But I, but I know uh, there's a lot of you um, serve in some pretty significant ways in our church and, and in our community, too. Um, 
And I think those are really, really great things. And, and it doesn't even have to be, uh, I think what God is calling us to, maybe it doesn't even have to be like just within the church, but it can be in every little minute place in your life, in your world. That in your marriage, you have an opportunity to say, how can I serve instead of being served? That, that in our place of employment, we might say, I've got to put food on the table, I've got to work, but how can, I, how can I serve my fellow employees instead of being served? Because I'm living into the vision that Christ has for us as the church. I think at school we can say, how can I serve and not be served with my fellow classmates? My brothers and sisters, it's the same thing. This is the Jesus way. Like I've said, Jesus has a very specific understanding of and a vision of what we are to be as the people of God. And he wants us to learn how to do it and how to do it well. And ultimately, that vision looks like living like Jesus lived, giving ourselves for the sacrifice of others. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.